Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to every single good human out there and welcome back to guest episode number 67 of Good Humans Podcast. If it's your first time here today, a very warm welcome. I'm stoked to have you here. Hopefully you enjoy the episode This podcast is all about trying to improve ourselves, trying to listen with an open mind to people's stories and learn from their stories. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to chat to so many incredible guests and hopefully you've been enjoying the backlog of episodes. If it's your first time here, make sure you hit subscribe and follow, leave us a five-star rating and please leave us a review over on Apple Podcast. If you're continuing to come back, thank you so much. I'm in awe of the amount of people who continue to listen to me blabber on, but also more importantly, listen to the incredible stories from the guests who jump on this podcast. Today's episode is no different, but first I just wanted to say if you're enjoying Good Humans podcast and you like the sort of stuff I talk about when it comes to mental health and approaching it a little bit differently, make sure you head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com and learn all about what The Good Human Factory is. Uh, my mental health business where I speak to corporate groups, high school students, sporting clubs about some simple strategies that can improve your mental health. If you head to the website, you can check out the inquiry form. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support this journey, please pick up a bit of merch. We have a whole bunch of really cool gratitude stuff and it's having a massive impact on the community around us. If you use the code podcast, you do get a huge 25% discount. That's over at thegoodhumanfactory.com. You can find it all in the show notes. All right, today's guest, Callum Robson. What an absolute legend this guy is. Callum's a young professional surfer from Australia who just got rated or who just ranked 10th in the world on his first year on the world tour. Cal's someone who I've been lucky enough to spend a bit of time with over the last few years. We both were working at Surfing Australia, coaching together just over a year ago, which is crazy to see what he's achieved in the last year from getting onto the world tour. He had a crazy run in the Challenger Series last year, which is the surf tour to qualify for the world tour. I was actually with him traveling all around Europe, um, America and Hawaii at the end of last year, which was super fun and really cool to see him basically just take it by the balls and smash it his first year on that tour. And then, yeah, made it onto the world tour. And this year, he has just been taking scalps. He took down Mick Fanning at Bells Beach in his first ever event at Bells Beach. And he ended up becoming the 10th best surfer on the planet in his first year on the world tour. So, man, I'm so proud of him. He's a great friend of mine. He's a younger fella and has some massive, massive goals for the future. And I'm really excited to watch his journey. So, Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode learning all about Callum Robson's story. So welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Callum Robson. How you going, mate? Yeah, I'm going good. It's good to be in here. Mate, I know. We've been talking about doing this for a long time, and I'm glad we've waited till the end of your season to do this because we've got a lot to unpack today. You've had 
a crazy last 18 months. Life's mm. very different to 18 months ago. Yeah. And I'm excited to unpack it all. So I guess maybe to kick off, let's tell the listener what you do. Yeah. Um, thanks, Cooper. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a professional surfer on the World Surf League's Championship Tour. And um, yeah, I've been just finished my first rookie year. And um, yeah, I'm only 21 from Evanshead, Australia, a small town down the coast from Byron Bay. And um, yeah, now living at Burley Head. So sitting here talking with Cooper, it's going to be good. Mate, I can't wait. We've had, um, we've had a lot of experience together. I've got mm. to watch you kind of blow up to stardom over the last couple of years. It's been really cool to have like little moments along that chapter and yeah, a lot of success the last couple of years. But first we're going to rewind it all. Actually, I'm going to ask you a question that I opened my podcast with. <laughs> what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Um, I'm, right gra- I'm grateful to be, um, I'm, be- I'm grateful for being home, be home in front of f- family and friends and um, grateful to have the opportunity to, speak on your podcast with you and um yeah it's good to see you again so great yeah. for that i know far out we haven't seen each other in ages it's so weird i was we were just talking off air like how different mm-hmm. both of our lives are from like two years ago because we yeah. used to coach um groms together at surfing yeah. australia and now we're both very far from probably doing that yeah. um but yeah we're going to rewind back to the start so everyone gets to know your story and then we'll catch back up to where we are right now so let's go back to the start where were you born? Where'd you grow up? And what was family life like, let's say, up until you in high school from what you can remember? Yeah, so I was born in Lismore, New South Wales, and grew up in Evanshead. We actually lived in between Evanshead and Woodburn um, on 30 acres. And I, I have two older sisters and my mum and dad, and we lived on a, like a, a bit of a farm and um, went to school not far from there in Woodburn. And um, I grew up playing a lot of footy, involved in the Surf Life Saving Club. Um, and yeah, life was pretty simple growing up. It's nothing like, yeah, stayed around home a lot of time and, um, traveled for dad's, um, yeah, rowing carnivals and things like that. And that's kind of how I first got introduced to the beach. And, um, yeah, from there, kind of my sisters got into surfing and that's kind of where my introduction to surfing kind of come along. I love that. that you see, That's kind of very similar to my story, actually. I didn't really ever talk about this, but I'm pretty sure like my starting of surfing was kind of from my older sister Chloe surfing because mm. her and Laura and Eva used to surf yeah. when they were like 10, 11, and I would have been eight. So I was like, obviously my dad like pushed me into waves, but I'm pretty sure like me and Chloe started surfing together, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I actually don't really good. talk about that very often. Yeah, that's that's cool. cool that you started with your sisters as well. Yeah. So let's talk going sort of out of primary school into high school. What was life like? Was footy a big focus? Were you starting to surf a little bit? Or because I know your story wasn't say for instance me i was surfing at eight i was competing at 10 i was really early into the surf scene mm. it was a bit later for you so yeah what was it like going into high school yeah i kind of started surfing around like that year five year six um kind of um yeah just on the weekend things like that i've kind of always been around the ocean obviously been with the surf life saving club riding boogie boards surfboards different things like that so um but it wasn't until yeah when i got into high school year seven when i started surfing a bit more, um, but footy was a big focus for me um, growing up and especially through primary school and then into the start of high school. Um, it was, yeah, big focus. I went to a school called Woodlaw- named Woodlawn out in um, Lismore. So that was about an hour and 45 on the bus every day, wow. one way. So I was like, yeah, whatever that is, two ways. So it was wow, yeah, pretty, brutal, hours. pretty brutal. Pretty um, brutal. 
And was yeah, there a closer school? Yeah, there was, but my two sisters went to that school and it was um it was like a kind of a real a bit of a footy sports school at the time. Yeah. Um so I went out there and yeah, it was good. It was good to like it was good because I wasn't just grow up on the beach. Like a few of my mates went to Evans River, which is a school in Evans, very close by, and um they had the opportunity to surf, but I kind of was a lot more um like yeah kind of grateful and thankful for when i did have the opportunity to surf so i made the most of it and i remember getting home i'd get home from the get off the bus at like quarter to five the sun would go down at 5 30 it was like 10 minutes in i'd r- race in i'd get like maybe like 15 20 minutes of surf before it went dark and my mum, i remember my mum would stand on the top of the um platform with the light flashing it like flashing the spotlight telling me to come in and it was like pitch black and i was just like now i would never do that but back in the day when Obviously, since a lot of things have happened since I was a bit younger, shark activity. But yeah, now thinking back, that's pretty tapped. <laughs> yeah, that, it's fascinating that you didn't grow up like. Well, so you grew up kind of near the, in Evans, but you had to go that far for school. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. Did wild. you go all the way to year ten doing that? Yeah, I've dropped down in year eleven. Wow, yeah. that's that that baffles me. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. An hour and a half, forty-five each way. That yeah. would just like yeah, it's pretty pretty. That's yeah, brutal. Memory. But how would you find school? Did you enjoy it, like, academically? Because I know you're very switched on when it comes to sports science, which we will get into as this chat goes on. But, yeah, how would you find school? What was it like? Did you have, like, good mates there? Were you involved in, yeah, how grades? Like, what was yeah. like the experience? Um, I wasn't I wasn't fully invested in school, for, for sure. I, I loved playing footy. I loved surfing. I loved the sports side of it. Um, everything else, I kind of – I went there. I did what I had to do and I left. I didn't, like – I wasn't someone that played up and um, caused a lot of trouble or anything. I just kind of went there, did my job, and all I was thinking about was getting home and, and surfing or playing footy or going riding a motorbike and things like that. Um, so for me, yeah, school wasn't school wasn't my favourite place to be, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. School, you kind of get both ways. Like I talk about school in a way that like, I quite enjoyed it, but I also understand that because I was – quite highly competitively surfing throughout my high school the back end of my high school years it was like i was never there so it was kind of all right but what was it like finishing school for you leaving in year 11 what were the goals once you got to the end of school were you like starting to compete a fair bit with surfing had you given up footy by then yeah i've given up footy by then um yeah probably from like year 10 onwards is when i started surfing a lot more doing the competitions things like that um actually a bit early on that but um that's kind of when things got a bit more serious just doing starting to do well in events yeah um and then i dropped out in year 11 to start a carpentry apprenticeship for my dad i was originally doing like a day a week through school because i had like this um joint program where you can go off and do start your apprenticeship one day a week um and then ended up just not being there like just going surfing and just like just pushing the limit of like what i could do in this like schooling wise and like they kind of was like it was getting to a point where i was like okay i'm gonna just go um and building stuff was never really my passion yeah. it was kind of more so a way for me to spend more time in the water and means to an end huh? yeah yeah and just kind of surfing and kind of um yeah make that gap and and yeah kind of part way from school but yeah, yeah for me um yeah sorry i forgot what no no just the end of school so when you finish school and you dropped out and you're doing your apprenticeship yeah. when did it kind of click you know what i want to give surfing a bit of a crack because yeah. was there like because i know through the junior career you had moments of success but it's a bit of a grind mm. and there's so much talent here in australia and in your era 
as well with guys like Ethan and Liam O'Brien and Morgs, like so much talent in that age group. And I look at you very similar to like Connor O'Leary as my sort of division. Yeah. Never really had, had moments, but never really like excelled. Mm. But then once it got to that QS level, that's where you really found your feet. So yeah, what was that like for you when you're like, you know what, I want to give surfing a bit of a crash? Yeah, that wasn't until a little bit later on. I kind of, I I was surfing and I was doing everything I could to, to be as good as I could in the water because um, I really, like, for me, the fact that coming from football and then the transition for surfing was so much different. I couldn't wrap my head around it at the start. Like, I would lose in every single comp mm. when I first started. And and for me, wrapping your head around that in football, the more, the more I went, the harder I went, the harder I wanted something, the easier it was and the better I played. Whereas in surfing, the harder, the more I wanted something, the harder I tried to play or the harder I tried to surf, the more I tried to want it to happen, the harder it became and the, the less successful I was. So for me, learning about that and it was more so um, learning how to let go and learning how to um, just channel how you want something in a different way was the main lesson I learned early on. Yeah, interesting. Um, but I kind of worked on that as things went on with a sports psych and that's kind of what made me unpack a lot of, um, yeah, that sort of experience. Um, yeah, because your timeline, sh- I'm like trying to like think back to your story, but like finishing school to qualifying when you're 20? Yeah. Yep. Just turned 20. 21. 21. Just turned 21. Okay. So like this is what what was going on in those couple of years there from finishing school to giving it a good crack on the um, qualifying series? Because you did a year or two just kind of, Grinding yeah. on the QE before the yeah when I first got my apprenticeship was when throughout the junior series so I was yeah. doing the my last year of the junior series and I was doing my apprenticeship at the same time and I ended up coming second mm-hmm. overall in that junior series um, and that was the first time I'd ever really had been successful in surfing yeah I'd had bits and pieces but that's when I was kind of consistent and who won that year Kihu um, I got second to Solly and Wade oh. twice. In the last final, in the final, the last event of the year in Cronulla, we had um, me and Key were both in the finals. Whoever placed higher, oh. and he placed third, and I placed fourth or something oh, like that. No way. But if I placed second and he come third, I would have won because of the point spread. Oh. So he like beat me by five points. So I was super rattled out, but I've kind of that's happened to me a lot in my life of just like just not getting that big prize or something like just not getting that massive um, reward, but. Yeah, yeah. Turn that around. I, f- I feel very similar. I feel like there's always been like that close to getting yeah. that next level, but I've like come to terms with my whole surf career now. But yours took a turn for the better once you kind of got to that next elite level, which is the qualifying series. So, what sort of things were you talking about with Jace Patchell, who's been a previous guest on this episode? He's the head sports psych for Surfing Australia. For anyone out there listening, um, so yeah, what was what was sort of things were you talking to Jace about that you're willing to sort of share through that development stage before you really started to give the like next level of qualifying series a crack? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, like obviously having that late start, it was a lot of my challenges come from that feeling of belonging and that feeling that I'm I'm good enough and I can actually do this. Um, so it was more my self-belief I worked on a lot mm-hmm. and that comes for me was from through my preparation, through my physical prep, through doing everything I could to to perform but also coming to terms with, okay, I've done everything I can and I can still lose yeah. first round and just, okay, and then just 
for me was just ma- making sure I was really present in the moment and every time I can or every time I competed. Um, but it's some nice experience this year as well. It's just the stories that come up in your in your mind that you, your brain tries to tell you and tries to hijack you. Mm. Um, it's very important to just be aware of what what stories are constantly being told and kind of and for me that's been that evolution. Like even this year, those stories changed. Yeah, and those stories are always going to change. So like what worked for me on the on the challenger series is like what stories showed up on the challenge series are different to the CT and stuff like that. And that's something I wasn't super. I wasn't super onto it. Just oh, okay. What's what's changing as mm. as you progress and as you progress, new stories and new things are going to come up. I'll give you a good saying for that. Another level, another devil. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 yeah that's cool. uh, Alex Hayes said that on his episode. <laughs> yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh, it's good. And I, I just thought of that exactly yeah. when you were saying like you think you've got it all sorted out in our mind, and yeah. then the next challenge comes, and it's yeah. like it's like a video game. Like the next devil you got to yeah. overcome and like overcome yeah. that self talk yeah. and. Super interesting that you had that awareness from a young age, like yeah. 20, well, this is like when you're 18, 19, 20, learning all yeah. these things about yourself. What was that experience like going through trying to like silence those thoughts? Because I feel like a lot of people listening, we all have that inner critic and it's really hard to build a strong relationship with it or a positive relationship and detach from our thoughts what were some of the techniques that you were using was it like meditation was it reading journaling breathing um yeah what was some of the things that you were using to grasp what was going on up there yeah um i think when i when i had my like a lot of development and self-development and really unpacking who i was and understanding who i was um kind of happened a lot during covid mm-hmm. um so i was kind of stuck in evans and um and able to train and able to surf and able to use the um, surfing shows, high performance center and really able to tap into everybody I needed um, to elevate myself. And um, when I really started figuring out who I was and, and diving deep into my insecurities and um, who I was as a person and why I do certain things, why I, why I want certain things and really wonder what understanding why I want things. I feel like you really got to go deep into who you are and understand why you do things like why you want certain things etc like mm. things like that um and then once i was clear on what i wanted which was to have a crack at surfing and the be, be the best i could um that's kind of where the journey started of that that unlocking those voices of going okay what's my purpose my purpose is this okay i'm doing everything all my decisions and um my values and my decisions are based on one direction and i was yeah. going that way whether like that direction wasn't straight up, but it was just like I knew I was constantly um, heading that way. And I, I actually listened to something. And it was like as soon as you start um, valuing self improvement, that's when you're really gonna mm. um, really gonna get there. And I was always just going, oh, I want to win. Like I just want to win, and not understanding that it's the process like of winning that makes you a winner. Yeah. Um, so me, I was ticking every one one percent. I did a lot of reading, a lot of um mindfulness started working with patch a lot doing regular sessions and just really starting to understand why i do things mm. who i am as a person how i how i feel about certain topics and making grounding myself in who i am and knowing what i bring to the table was super important in understanding what stories coming up and how to how to just be aware of them and, and let them go yeah i love that and i think my listeners will relate to this because we've gone through the same infrastructure of surfing australia and as weird a parallel it is to draw like 
my good human factory workshop is all about values and i got pushed into that and i always talk about it from jason patchell like the good human factory is based on what i've learned from surfing australia over the Mm -hmm. years on how to define my values and this is a bit left field of where i wanted to go with this conversation but i thought i'd throw it in because i think this will be valuable for you moving forward do you feel like because this is what i talk about with the good human factory is that i used to base my self-worth and my identity as just cooper chapman the pro surfer Mm. but once i began to realize my values are far more than just my surfing is that something that you've kind of felt through learning your values realizing obviously all you want is to succeed in surfing but there's a lot more to you than just that yeah i'm i'm very aware of the big like i try and ground myself in that there is a bigger picture to this and um and that for me it's like when we had that conversation on the beach where i was starting to think okay how am i going to set myself up for my life if i don't become successful and for me that was helpful in knowing that i could that's not the end of the world yeah and that life still rolls on and ground myself that okay kind of freed me up to do what i wanted to do in the water yeah um so for me it's just working on your and i think michelle mitchell helped me a lot with that i work with michelle um and she kind of opened my eyes that okay, you can you can work on both things, and they and they kind of work in synergy together. Yeah. Um, and for me, I was lucky enough that my passion was um, strength and conditioning, gym, um, going into the gym, working on being an athlete. So it kind of it just worked hand in hand. Yeah. So everything I was doing to help myself in that my kind of outside of surfing life was directly influencing my my in water life. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of where that that married up and really helped elevate myself. Yeah. I feel like it's real similar to like my journey with like mental health, like using all these skills that I developed to become better as a surfer. Like these one percenters we talk about the mental game, which we'll talk about later is just a massive part of the picture, which we all know. So I like brought that post surfing now into Mm -hmm. like my life. And I know for you, like strength and conditioning and that part of your life will definitely be post, hopefully your very long successful surf career. But I want to paint a picture for everyone because you mentioned our chat on the beach. This is um, something that I wanted to talk to before we get into the surfing part of the last couple of years. So I'm going to paint a picture for everyone. So I think it might have been exactly two years ago from now. No, only a year actually, like a year and six months. Yeah. 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 So no, not even. It was June last year. It was just before the Cabacon. Yeah. So June 2021. So this is just over a year ago. This is how crazy how different mine and Callum's lives have been since then. So we're both grinding to get ready for these events coming up, um, needing a result in the last event at Cabot, both to make it onto the next tour. And we're both working for Surfing Australia because we need to make money to get to the next event. We're both scratching for every dime we can get. So Cal and I are both coaching a surf camp together. We're the two head coaches for Surfing Australia. Um, and we're sitting on the beach coaching these groms, just basically talking about our dreams and as like I feel like both of us are quite intellectually smart and have quite high EQ and we're just having like a good chat about like what we want out of life and I mean whether you saw it or not I felt like a bit of a mentor like I'd kind of been through the journey that you're basically about to really embark on on this qualifying series and you were talking about your strength and conditioning I was talking about my goals with the good human factory um and fast forward 12 months like my business is exponentially grown and I've reached like to where I really want to be. Your surf career's got there. And we were just sitting on the beach just going like, oh, imagine if, and it's like 12 months. But the thing that I really noticed about you back then was those one percenters you were doing. The dedication that you had leading into that season that people probably didn't see. People probably like, oh, you just had that crazy first year and it worked for him. Mm. 
but you were putting in like the time. How important was it for you sort of post that conversation? Cause then you won the f- next event, which was, um, Cabarita, which put yeah. you on the challenger series. Once you made that spot on the challenger series, what was the mindset going into it? Because sometimes people can go, Oh, it's my first year. I just want to find my feet. Whereas for you, it's a bit different. Yeah. Not, not really, to be honest. Like, uh, I, I feel like I don't want to give the impression that I was going there to, that I, I knew I was going to do what I did. Um, because I didn't, and I think it's important to not, um, try and, yeah, not try and make things like things aren't certain and don't try and make them certain, mm. like be open to things happening and be aware of what you can control. And yeah. for me, it was all about doing what I can control yeah. and just not putting expectations on what was going to happen. Yeah. I went into that first event, not putting expectations on what was going to happen. Um, but doing everything I could in my power to perform. Yeah. And that that doesn't look like always training harder, doing more. For me, that was sometimes dialing it back, doing less. Um, and that's what for, for me is the balance in surfing. It's a lot about balance in terms of like how hard do you push, how hard do you do, and then also doing things that build trust like and are recovery-based and things like that, which are giving back to you. Mm. Um, so there was a, I had a really good balance through that whole year that whole uh, challenger series and that was kind of built through that um that cabaretta comp and that's kind of when i felt like i, I unlocked a little bit of a like a, a recipe for myself to succeed yeah um i kept things so simple for myself it was just so simple it was just literally, literally okay i connected to my breathing a lot okay my breathing i'd literally breathe and then i go okay what's my next what's the next thing i have to do to win this heat or what's the next thing i have to do to perform my heat tomorrow okay it's like go to bed early okay like just that simple and just yeah. live that simple um and that's always the challenge of bringing your mind back bringing your mind back to here right now because you always want to think about um what's next or what feels good to think mm-hmm. about and that's not always helpful and i feel like for me even confidence isn't always helpful it's about like just knowing what i can do grounding myself in what i can do and what i offer yeah um and just doing that to the best of my ability. Sometimes confidence hijacks me and makes me feel like I, and I don't pay attention to the little things. Yeah. Um, so I feel like for me, I didn't, I, I've never really had that feeling of I'm the best I'm going to be. I'm like that kind of um, killer mindset. It's mm. more so for me, it's just grounding myself in what I know and what I can bring to the table. Yeah, which is cool to watch because although you might not have the mindset I'm the best, I, I don't think that's healthy anyway, but you've got the mindset like, I've done everything I can. Mm. And that's what I watched in that pre-season. Like you were there 30 minutes to an hour before your gym session. So you made sure your warm up was completely right. You'd hang around after and make sure your cool down was right. Like those small things that people don't see has paid such big dividends for you. And it's good to see that. Well, it's nice to hear that that was very conscious from you. Like, and that, do you think that comes from that kind of love and strength and conditioning and structure around training? Yeah. Well, for me, that whole love comes from, um, the athletic side of surfing. I, I really look up to like the Mick Fannings and the Dinas, the people that just like that just put in the work. Um, and for me, that com- that draws from having like a just massive sport focus growing up and always wanting to be an athlete. Like for me growing up, I never knew what I wanted to be, but I just knew I wanted to be an athlete. Yeah. Um, and at the start it was footy and then it moved to surfing. Um, but, yeah, I, I just really value that high performance, that kind of like – feel like you're being an athlete. Like that's what I, I lo- love in life. I love the fact that I can be an athlete and make those sort of decisions. Like 
I don't know, that's something that I really care about. It's like being the best version of yourself, seeing where the limits are, how successful you can be and obviously surfing now, but just, yeah, physically, mentally, spiritually, get in a place that you can perform at the highest level you possibly can. Yeah. I I just think that's really unique and it's really cool that I have the opportunity to be able to put my whole life as – pretty much devoted to trying to be successful and trying to like in the water and trying to perform. So it's like, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's a big puzzle. Eh? Yeah, it's just so, a big puzzle. It's literally, it's what it is. Yeah. And it changed, like you just said, it's like a new level, a new demo, it always changes. And that's something I learned this year. It's just like constantly evolving. And um, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to this year in a second. Let's talk about quickly um, because I can relate to this. Cause I mean, now talking about it, it's probably going to be my last run at the, um qualifying series looking back at the time i thought i was probably going to do it again this year a bit more full-time but now i'm probably not um but yeah let's talk about the challenger series last year your first ever crack at the challenger series it was just four events first one Mm. when's the first one us open yeah huntington huntington has your first event for you kind of going into that mindset wise like you said you weren't expecting to win but just doing all those small things right yeah yeah and just enjoying um, the fact that I was able to travel at the time because it was COVID and, um, yeah, had the opportunity to compete against the best. And I remember going in there that my one goal was I wanted to beat as many CT surfers as I could. That was my one goal. And that was kind of me putting myself out that I wanted to challenge myself in that event and not running from a challenge. And I always wanted to embrace that that discomfort and kind of go towards, okay, I've got these big guys in a heat. Like, I think it's important to look at, like for me, it was important to look at a heat draw and go, okay, who's the hardest guy to beat? I have no problem if I'm surfing against him first mm. round. Like a lot of people go, oh, I just want that easy heat. But me going in, I was like, I just want the opportunity to come up against those CT guys so I can just test myself and show and prove that I can do it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was that was something that was my main driving force in that event. But, yeah, surprised myself um, by just, by just um, yeah, maintaining my process and doing what I needed to do and ended up coming fifth in that first event and was in a – really good position to um, start yeah, the campaign. Yeah, start the campaign. And at the time it was four results and a lot of people had a result from the previous yeah. year. Um, so I knew I had to make four count. So that was yeah. kind of interesting as well. Yeah, true. We're not going to go into technicalities of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard to explain, but let's fast forward to the last event of the series going into Hawaii. Mm. Still needed to put on a bit of a performance. Yeah. What was it like getting that phone call when you qualified for the world tour? First year trying to do it, like, I know, yeah. just as good as anyone to grind. <laughs> I've been trying to do it for like eight years on that yeah. qualifying series. Yeah. First go making it, what was that feeling getting that call? Yeah, it was a bit surreal, to be honest. Like, hard to know. Like, hard, it did, I don't know. Like, people say, oh, has it sunk in yet? Like, you don't, for me, it's like, I don't really, I've never felt a moment where I'm like, oh my God, it's sunk in. Yeah, like, you're just present through it all. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like, okay, I've done everything I could. You don't, you don't expect it. Like, I didn't expect it to happen, but I kind of wasn't surprised either. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people surprise themselves that they've, they've done what they set out to do. But for me, it wasn't that like full surprise. Like, kind of, oh, cool. Like, what I'm doing working, what, yeah. I, what I'm doing is working and just like, okay, making sure I don't lose lose track of what was working mm. um but yeah it was over the i was pretty baffled i was like <laughs> okay this is sick like this is that's everyone's dream and for me that was like um yeah like like you said it happened so quick i was just like well yeah like that just happened and that's that's why i was kind of surreal because i was like holy shit that happened but i'm like yeah it's just kind of like yeah you it, it happened but it's something that you've been working so hard for yeah for a good year or two 
so to see it come to fruition, like, must have been yeah. so special. And then coming home, a couple quick, not even actually, it was straight back on, eh? It was, like, pretty oh. close, a month or something? Maybe. maybe. I can't month. even remember. Yeah, it was yeah, a month. It was like actually. a month and then you're straight back yeah. over to Pipeline. First ever year that Pipeline's the first event of the year. Yeah. What was that like, putting your ashy on for the first time on the world tour, getting to serve massive pumping pipeline? Yeah, that was super nerve-wracking for sure. Um, yeah, I think nerves, for me, that ex- that whole experience with nerves, that was like pretty evident at pipe. You're sitting on the beach, you've got a, so many people, you've got like pipe, which is a scary wave in itself. My first um, ever CT. Um, yeah, I got over there early, put put some work in, but at the same time, not really having surfed pipe a lot and not having got any good waves and it's such an intimidating lineup, like you, like you oh, know. It's pipe's like, like, if anyone ever asked me the scariest wave in the world, I'd say pipe. Yeah. Purely because you're not taking off where you want to take yeah. off. You're not in a comfortable environment. You're like. Yeah. Everything about that's uncomfortable. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I fucking yeah. hate the place. Yeah. <laughs> pipe's like. Scares the shit out of me out yeah. of any wave in the world. Pipes like at the top of my list for scary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and mine too. Um, so yeah, I think f- for that event, I was just like, I was really excited. I had the opportunity. Like for me, when I got my rashi and I seen Robson on the back, number six, and two Aussie flags, that was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I was like, that made me feel like for me, like, girl, I've always wanted to be an athlete. I was like, okay, this is, this yeah. is what, this is what it's about. Like, yeah. okay, this is cool. Um, yeah, and then getting my rash, I was so nervous sitting on the beach trying to just because I meditate before my heat and really slow myself down because for me I'm somebody that is is very sped up mentally and I'm always looking for what's next and trying to um, kind of yeah an internalizer and things like that. So for me before my heat, it's really important that I slow down and connect with where I'm at, what I'm doing. Mm. Um, so I did that, and that kind of settled me down into a point where I I was in control of of what I needed to. Um, at that that point in time um, and still running out just like nervous going okay but as soon as I hit the water and I paddled around the back because you know pipe you paddle yeah. around and I seen how pumping it was because it was just like probably six to eight foot and pumping as it gets <laughs> it's good. it looks so good I was tripping and I just got that surf froth like that holy shit I mean I hit, like this is like looking into the crowd just going oh my god and just got that surf froth like I just want to get the biggest barrel I can like I could yeah. potentially get the best way of my life in a competition with million filmers here like i was the start of frothing sick yeah so that was kind of the start of that heat and then getting halfway through i packed a few clothes out um and then realized holy shit i'm actually in a heat you yeah. had to kind of make that mental shift and i only needed like a like a three or something i was in last i only needed three and then um with about five minutes to go i had to play the game I was in last priority and had to play the game to make that heat because this is the first year that cut's been involved yeah um so a 33rd in that front half of the year is pretty pretty brutal so yeah knowing that you definitely don't want to be in that elimination round so i ended up making that mental shift okay whatever i've got to do whatever i can to make this heat and then um you ended up getting a score and making it through that heat which is pretty yeah you've had some like real tactical smart moves <laughs> in the front half of the year one with um fanning at bells which we're going to talk about bells in a second but what was it like those next couple of events? Like you've had your first event, Pipe's a bit of a weird wild card one, like yeah, those yeah. barreling events like Pipe and Chobes are kind of like yeah, yeah. throw it up in the air, whereas Sunset and whatnot become a bit more tactical. Mm. What was it like leaving Hawaii? What were you sitting in after Hawaii? You had maybe I had a ninth and a 17th. So you had a couple. So I think eights. I was around 15th. Or yeah. Something. Then um, Europe, how'd you go in Europe? I think I had another ninth. So you're like in an okay spot going into Bells, but you had Bells, Margaret River, Cut. Yeah. 
a lot of pressure, so close everyone as well. Yeah. I remember like that time of the year was gnarly. What changed at Bells? What was what happened at Bells that was um yeah, so special. Obviously getting second there to Felipe. Yeah. Um, what was it like? We'll talk about ringing the bell at the end of this story, yeah. but let's talk the lead up. I know there was some stuff that was a bit different. Yeah. The camaraderie with the Aussies. Um, yeah, let's talk about Bells. Yeah. Um, yeah, for Bells, I had the opportunity to go down before the event started. Um, I had the opportunity to go down with um with Owen, Morgan, and Connor. And we were training with Robbo, Adam Robin. Robinson and Kale Bell Warren and got to do a camp and um, and got to surf probably three or four foot really fun bells. It was, um, yeah, and, and bells is a really hard wave to surf and I haven't surfed there at all, but that sort of wave kind of right end points is what I grew up surfing, so it kind of suits my style. Um, but understanding the lineup was super crucial in my success at that event. I, f- I worked with Kale and he was, he's super onto it. They've got the place dialed in terms of like where to sit, for each swell direction, for each tide, and knowing where you are. Um, so a big part of, for comp- about competing for me is knowing where I am in the lineup and, and knowing what waves I'm catching. And um, and then I can play my tactics and my strategy off that. Mm. Um, if you don't know where you are and what waves you're looking for, then you're kind of a sitting duck and you, don't, you just, you can, yeah, be swayed yeah. either which way. It's really important to, for me is just to have a, a, a general understanding of where you're at yeah. Um, so be, being able to get that local knowledge and that local expertise was super crucial in my success at that event, I felt. Um, as well, I did a really extensive like mental breakdown of that event with with Patchy, my sports eye, um, and just mapped out everything, mapped out like, okay, what if you do well? What if you don't do well? Kind of like that process of, of letting go. I did a really good job of letting go of that event. Um, and, yeah, and then getting into the event, the waves were fun. Had a, had a pretty good board that I was pretty comfortable on um, and then just kind of built momentum every heat and just stayed in the fight and was willing to be in that uncomfortable position. I, I made a, um, a conscious decision to be okay with sitting in that and be willing to sit in that uncomfort um, for the duration of that comp and I think that's really important is like really preparing what you're willing to do before heading into an event because when the pressure and things get thrown on you, you're going to just fall back to what you've prepared and um, and things like that. So if you've prepared and you've um, really yeah, done the grant, the homework on what how you're going to show up and what you intend to do, then I think mm. it's, um, it's a good base to fall back on to. Yeah, absolutely. Just having that expectation of how it's going to feel yeah. rather than it just like surprising you and being like, oh, God, like if I lose here, I'm not going to make the cart. Like yeah. so many internal thoughts must be happening. But obviously a very successful event for you. I want to talk, was it quarters you had me? Uh, round 16, 16, which was a yeah big one. Yeah, that's a, a very important round. Yeah. You draw the wild card, a guy that doesn't really need much of an introduction, Mick Fanning, one of the greatest of all time, good friend of both of ours. The wild card for Rip Curl, mm. what a stitch up of a person to draw <laughs> yeah, in the round of 16. And that's like the most important round really points-wise. Yeah. If you lose there, you probably fall out of the um, – out of the top 22 or whatever it was, what was it like paddling out knowing you got Mick Fanning? I know you said obviously you want to draw the biggest names in the QS. Was yeah. it the same? You were pretty happy to draw Mick or? I thought it was a good opportunity for sure. It's like for me that felt like um, I had a little bit of just like, okay, Mick, this is the guy. This is who I need to get through. Like this is, yeah, this is my moment. Like yeah. this is my opportunity to be able to take down the best bell surfer there ever is pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I think looking at it in that way instead of like, oh no, I've got Mick. Like, like oh, this is my opportunity to mm. to take down Mick and to have the opportunity to compete against the best, see what he does, and learn on the fly. Yeah. Um, that event I was super adaptable and making sure and just yeah, being adaptable, being able, willing to change, willing to um, do whatever my gut told me. And uh, I made I made mistakes throughout that that heat and stuff, but um, had an opportunity at the end of the heat to. I had to kind of claw my way back in. He got two scores, and I was a bit frazzled at the start. And I was yeah. like a bit, a bit rattled. He got some scores on me, and I, I, I was kind of on the back foot. Um, ended up getting a wave that I didn't, that I thought I surfed better than I did, and um, and kicked off, and ended up getting a six, which put me in the position to only needing a, oh, needing a seven point seven seven or whatever. And yeah. The last minute and a half, and I got. Yeah, got the opportunity and well, I was going through your head paladin into that way. Yeah, you knew you needed what you needed yeah. a seven 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 against Mick Fanny at Pump and Bells. A yeah. minute and a half come, a minute and a half on the clock, and you see the wave standing up. What? Yeah, what's going through your head? Yeah, well, I've, I did work on this before because yeah, I have a process before um, I head into an event, which is like identifying some potential hooks. I call hooks is like things that are going to grab your attention and hijack you. Um, so for me, when I see a good wave and I, and I need a score or something like this, my mind starts to race. Mm. And for me, I was just like, okay, for me, having a deep breath really centers me, makes me connect to my breath. And I was just focused on that. I went, okay, here's the wave. Here's my opportunity. Took a big, deep breath and went, oh, breath, okay, now it's time. So then I just, yeah, spun, caught it. Wasn't really just thinking about the, just my technique, things like that not thinking too far ahead and um, started off, did like a, pretty sure I did like a, a snap kind of down carve and then did like a, a more yeah. like drawn out carve and then did like a, a good carve that I felt, I was like, oh, that's a good one. Because yeah. at the start I was like, oh, this is not that. Like because you kind of yeah. you kind of judge it. You're kind of like yeah. breaking it down because you need to know what you're going to yeah, do in the next turn. Push, yeah. You need to know how much you need to push or if you, you're on your way, you kind of, yeah, back off sort of thing. So I did a really good end turn on the bowl because you usually get like if you're getting three turns on the bowl you, you're on your way yeah so i knew i was on my way and then that another moment of kind of okay slow down don't get too excited and then i did another turn and kind of thought the wave was over and then it was like went straight and then i was like oh no there's another section went race 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 another turn and then i was just like holy shit i think that's a score then i just kind of did this like weird claim and i was just like that's got to be a score like it's like you're just thinking is that score like I was like, fuck, I did everything I could. Like, yeah. And I was just like, I was kind of just stoked, just going, come on, give it to me. Yeah. Come on. And then that feeling, that internal, like, yeah, just like, just give it to me. Just give it to me. Come on. Like, cause I was beach too, standing on the beach. Yeah. I was more stoked because I had the opportunity and I, and I surfed it as good as I could and kind of just like, and handled that moment. Isn't Um, that the internal? I don't know if you're like religious or anything. I'm not religious, but I'd ask God for waves always. Not even ask for waves, like whatever would come would come, right. but that's what I, by the end of my career I'd just say, like, just give me a shot. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if I get a shot and I fall, whatever, yeah. that's well, on me. Yeah. That, that's your internal for sure. You're like, come on, just give me a shot. Just give, just me, give a me a shot. shot. And when I got the shot, I was like, okay, it's a shot. Okay, take a breath, slow down. And then I just did it. And then by the end of the way, I finished and I was like, oh my God, that about, might be the score. Yeah. What about when you heard the score? Yeah. And then like, Talking to Mick after, what was that like? Yeah, well, I had my mates from Evans down there. They come down and they were on the beach with like their camping chairs or whatever. And um, I was yelling, like, is that score? Is that score? And they kind of weren't like saying anything. 
And then I was like, oh, come on, sure, it's a score. And then they, I heard them start going mad because it's hard to hear. From, yeah, um, down the, there. Yeah, because you're down low. And I heard, um, yeah, they started going mad. And I was like, and then so I started sprinting up so I could hear it. And then I see my mum come running down. I got a really good picture of my mum um, oh. giving me a hug in front of this big crowd. And, and it was like, yeah, just like. Like that was special. That was a that was a special moment for sure. Like, and then seeing my dad shortly after gave me a big high five, and I was just like, that event was really special for them, my family there. Yeah, and just yeah, the opportunity to compete against Mel's, uh, compete against Mick at Pumping Bells, and then have my family on the beach when I got a score right at the end. Like that was a pretty pivotal. Like that was like, oh. holy shit, this is like special. Yeah, that's just like when you're like, wow. Yeah, I was kind of, yeah, took a moment and went, fuck, that yeah. was insane. And then you made a couple more heats there and ended up second in the final. What was it like paddling out for your first ever final on the world tour yeah. after going like yeah. eight months before? Mm. What am I going to make yeah, for yeah, work yeah. to paddling out for a Bell's final and yeah. getting to ring the little bell? Yeah. Well, I actually had a, it was interesting because I versed Jack. Um, that was my first time ever surfing Rincon um, oh. in the semi against Jack. Yeah. So had to learn and then had a good breakdown with kale about my positioning and how i went about that heat i went out feeling like i knew where to sit and knew which ways i was looking for and then i had the thought i had a story pop up that was like you you're surfing against felipe toledo in two foot running rights like could you get anyone harder to beat <laughs> like uh. i was just like i was just like my internally my a thought popped up and i was like you could get absolutely smoked here like that was uh. a genuine thought and i was like okay it's just a story. That's a story trying to hijack me. And it's like, how much truth is there to that story? When whether it's truthful or not, I'm just going to do what I can and ground myself in the process of winning this next heat and what that is. And that was for me. It was connecting with my breath, really feeling myself in the moment. What's my first job? Is like I got to establish the inside and try and um, put some pressure, on put some that. pressure on him, get a good wave, and just build myself and do my surfing. Yeah, make sure I belong to myself in that moment. Um, but yeah, it was really good. I like, had a good little battle with Felipe, like hassling him for the inside. And I was just like, I was like, this guy wouldn't even know who I am. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, this guy's probably the oh, first I time. I bet he does. I bet he does. Yeah. But I was just like, I was just grand. I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to crack. And I was just, yeah, it was really, it was really good. And felt like I, I gave it my all in that final and um, come up short, but I was happy with how I performed and how I showed up that day. Yeah. Bloody Felipe. He got weighed on both of his finals too. <sighs> <laughs> yeah oh, his first wave he did air rev he did a stock air rev no you come around alley-oop into a stock air rev and i was just like <laughs> <laughs> the stories you're telling yourself are coming like, true. oh my god and then yeah just like ground yourself in what what you're there to do and yeah um, end up getting a, my own big score and then i was down to the backups and yeah fell but it's what it is no nah, what an incredible like first year getting to make it into a mm. final like you should be so proud and having that little bell on your head. That, where's that bell sitting? Yeah, it's down my parents' place. It's like they've got the the snapper trophy, the cabo trophy, and Sick. also the um the little the bell. bell. And we got I've got some young um nephews and nieces, and they come down and ring it every time they come out for a family barbecue. And it's yeah. Something else I want to talk about that is right around this time when you're doing all this competing is the floods that happen down mm. in northern New South Wales. Super tough times for your family for the community that has given you so much because let's rewind real quickly just to the importance of evan he evan's head and how much they got behind you because i know for your challenger series you needed to crowdfund to be able to even get over there because like we we're sitting on the beach trying to make every dime we could it's very expensive to travel the world and evan's head really got behind you so yeah i guess let's just talk about what the community means to you and then maybe explain 
for people listening, like what happened with the floods with your the community? Yeah, the was, where was, you were in the world when it happened. So yeah, yeah. that brings context to it. Yeah, I'll start with like um, kind of how that real community spirit come about. Um, growing up in Evans Head, obviously a small town, there was probably three thousand people there, and everybody knows everybody. Um, so my connection to my community from the get go, I've been involved in a lot of um, and my parents and all like the rugby league, rugby union, surf club, different things, and everybody just knows everyone's a really small community. So. Um, yeah, when I had the opportunity, I won that Kappa comp and got on the Challenger Series, kind of surprised myself again. Um, I had an opportunity to go and compete in these four events around the world for the next three months and had no money to do it pretty yeah. much. Like just started working at the centre because work started back up with COVID, uh, with COVID kind of like settling down a bit. So I started working as much as I could, coaching, um, but still not having that financial backing to kind of go and do those events. So yeah. Um, yeah, my local board riders set up a GoFundMe, which I think we ended up raising about 14, 13, 14 grand and was crucial and pretty much paying for my leg around the, um, around the world. Yeah, around the world. So, yeah, from that, got me on tour and was able to, um, was able to compete in that challenge series, obviously qualified. Then coming home, we had a, a big party to kind of celebrate and I was able to give back and, um, put on a, a party at the bowling club and there was a massive turnout and just showed, how much that really meant to the community and um, I just showed my appreciation for what they did and, um, yeah, that was super meaningful to me. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I was in Portugal at the time and the Ukraine, like the Russia-Ukraine thing was just starting up and, and then the floods were happening um, and I was, in, I was in Portugal competing and for me it felt like the whole world was falling apart, like mm. literally over there feeling like, like not that safe you're in Europe and there's um, wars and like this, everything's kicking off going mad over there. So it was like, that was another thing. And then for me, it was a struggle of not knowing because, um, and that unknown because there was no, there was no service and there was no, no there's no communication back and forth. So I wasn't really sure what was going on, but I knew things weren't good yeah. um, because I got, I got a video from my cousin Pete as he was heading out to help people. And it was like my old house because we just moved um, further inland, but my old family home was fully underwater. Wow! In a place that there should not be water. Like, yeah, it just blows my mind that it was even happening. And then, um, yeah, I had the opportunity to to give back some of my prize money and um, did that, which was, well, yeah, it was just to try and do something. Um, and it was more it was, for me. It was like a driver too. It's just okay. I've got to do this for the people back home. And, um, and just, yeah, it was that another, another gear and just, yeah, it really meant a lot to me. Um, but it was super hard. It was just that unknown and knowing like, and for one thing, it was just like a people life. Like it was like yeah. that primal, just like, is people alive? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, pretty heavy. it's gnarly times. So I remember like watching and thinking of you a lot when it was happening. I was in Sydney. I think I couldn't be up here and I couldn't get back up here to do anything to help. Like I felt hopeless too, but I knew for you being in Portugal, trying to focus on competing, but then not knowing if your family are safe, not knowing yeah. and knowing how much your communities helped you to know that they're going through that. Like it must've been such a big just driver, like you said, for you to try and succeed so you can bring back more money to support the community, but also just give everyone a bit of hope. Yeah. Like more so than the money, it was like more so everybody was just so pumped that I was able to surf and compete. Like they were all um, going into Evans around like around an iPhone because there was no reception. They were trying to watch the event and stuff. And and for me, I've got so many messages about just like how much joy that brings to them. So 
um, yeah, the, the, the fact that me doing what I love brings joy to other people and they love watching what I do. I think that's yeah, super special. Yeah. I love that. I want to talk to you about snapper kind of finish, but something before I get to there is I want to talk about your relationship with Sparrow, your board shaper. It's been cool to see that you haven't like skewed away and tried to jump on one of the bigger name, high profile board brands. I'm sure you've probably had people like asking you, you want to try boards and stuff, but I love the loyalty that you've shown with Sparrow. Mm. How long's that relationship been gone? What's it looking like moving forward with him? Because I heard you speak that you kind of want it to be like DHD's relationship with Mick yeah. and bring him up with you, which I think is really special. Yeah, let's talk about your relationship with Sparrow. Yeah, so Sparrow first approached me through um, like Sean and Dean through the the Hazards. Um, went back when he was shaping for for Super, um, and I was kind of paying for boards, and that was when I wasn't doing well at all. And he kind of um, brought me on board and and shown that interest and shown that like it's the first time I'd ever got free boards um and I was kind of tripping as a grown growing up like getting mm. free boards you're frothing like, so everything yeah it's, it's exactly it's like that first step of going oh my god I'm on like think like um yeah I'm you get, process. yeah like yeah. kind of feels like a bit that way so um the opportunity to get free boards from Sparrow and have that relationship with the Sparrow uh with a shaper where they're actually like listening and wanting to work on your boards was super um was super cool and then just growing from there, obviously, he went out on, on his own doing his own Sparrow label and I've jumped on board with him. And, um, yeah, the opportunity to work on our boards throughout the Challenger Series and then now through the tour, it was kind of a lot of catching up and a lot of rushing, rushed orders and um, and a lot of learning this year about what works and what doesn't work at events. Yeah. Um, so now I've got three months to work as hard as I can on equipment and different things like that and trying to – um, yeah, improve my boards, do strike missions to certain locations and just evolve. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm really excited for the next couple of months for you going into mm. next season, which is a bit different this year because there's obviously um, since that halfway cut at Margaret River, which you safely made it through a big obviously thanks to that Bells result, you kind of got to go into Margaret's without that yeah. maybe pressure that a lot of people were feeling at that event and then surfing through the back half of the year would have been Pretty fun getting to surf um, J-Bay pumping, getting to surf Chopes pumping, like really cool experiences. But I want to rewind before that and go back to Snapper because Snapper, you had a huge win there. It's a pinnacle event for all surfers, Snapper Rocks, and it was the first time that it was ever um, a Challenger Series event. Talk me through that event. What was going through your mind now that you've, oh, I'm requalified for the tour for another 10 events all the rest of this year and the first half of next year. Did you feel like a lot less pressure going into Snapper or was it just the same mindset, do the small things right and I can come away with a big result? Yeah, well, like that that event's the only event I've ever gone, <laughs> this is the one I want to win. Really? And I, I've got it in my, um, in my calendar, win Snapper Rocks. When, like I, I put it in my calendar every time I go, like, um, yeah, Bell CT event and then this one was win Snapper Rocks. So, like, um, I don't – I'm not such a believer of, like, of making things happen and believing things in – but, like, this one, I just put it out there and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And, um, and I first thing it's real, man. Yeah. I told, I told different people and stuff and, um, put myself out there on that, on that chopping block. And, um, I think that was important because it made me, made me, um, what's the word I'm for? Like confident? No, like, um, held me accountable to, yeah, to yeah. go and, and do the one percenters and do everything I could to win that event. And Snapper, it's a home event, had home support. Um, and I had a great board and I feel like it was just a combination of things and 
Um, and obviously I was working with my coach, Richo, who I work, I've worked with since I was about 15. Yeah. Um, who's, who's been really influential in my compet competition. So, um, yeah, I was stoked to have that event at Snapper, some away I've searched a lot and then, yeah, things just worked at that event. Yeah. It was, um, I was down there for a couple of the earlier rounds. I didn't get to get down there for the final. What was it like having that home crowd support and, What's it been like this year on the tour, kind of combining with this question to do with Snapper, having the Aussie kind of camaraderie back? Because yeah. that was something that I felt like a lot of my career had evaporated quite a lot. Yeah. And we speak about it and I've heard you speak about it and we all spoke about it a bit on the Challenger last year that it turned into this yeah. real supportive environment. Yeah. How's that been for you having Aussies sort of like being willing to share their stuff? I know Owen and Connor have been big for you. Um, I'd like to think like last year on the Challenger, myself and Wade as well as Connor had that yeah. sort of little bit of mentorship that makes a big difference, huh? Yeah, for for sure. Like that Challenge series really opened opened my eyes to um to yeah, just how vulnerable people are willing to be and how open they are. You started to ask the question and um and yeah, and also coming on tour, just realizing um how open people are when you just have that com genuine conversation with them and ask genuine questions yeah um and for me that mentorship has throughout my whole career has been something i've lent lent on a lot just in terms of other people and just trying to learn as much as i can i'm i'm a pretty curious person i love to um yeah ask questions and, and learn off different people so mm. for sure having that that aussie support even even if it wasn't to that that level of like of kind of like intimacy of of depth of going okay like asking real genuine like high level kind of questions to just having the people on the beach pumping you up just going yeah. like psyching you up knowing that you've got people on the beach that are that are there for you yeah so that's that in itself a driving factor absolutely um, that helps but um yeah having connor yourself um wade and that older crew kind of just felt like the younger crew were getting like pushed in the right direction and having lob um Lobby, who's a really good friend of mine, he's someone I land on a lot in the Challenger series just yeah. to bounce ideas. We think the same, so it was really helpful. Yeah, Liam's a legend. He's actually been a previous guest on this podcast too. Yes, yeah. Go back and listen to Liam O'Brien's episode. What is it? I think he's in the 40s somewhere. But, it's, I mean, what about his story, hey? How hard was that for you, actually? Let's let's take a little rewind. Watching your mate who you both qualify the same year, both been dreaming of this, mm. and then Pipeline, first event, he does his – ankle yeah he yeah, broke his ankle broke his ankle the morning of the first event which we spoke yeah. about on his episode but what was that like for you watching your one of your best mates who've dreamed of doing this together seeing that happen to him yeah it was pretty sharp brutal eh? it's just like holy crap things can change that quickly um because I, I was actually heading out for my free surf my morning free surf at pipe and i missed lob like i must have been paddling out that um the pipe rip kind of thing and, and he he'd come in like that because i got out there and i was like where's liam like Liam, I know Liam would be out here. Yeah. Like I know, like I felt like like an intern, like something's up because Liam. Yeah, intuition. Yeah, Liam would be out here. Like it doesn't make sense that he's not out here. Mm. And then I was kind of tripping, and then I, I ended up coming in and Pete, um, my cousin who's a mentor for me and um, kind of my coach. He he came in and he actually helped lob up the beach. I'm pretty sure. And he, yeah, he just said like he broke his ankle. It's not good, and he's off to. So he had to pull out, and actually Geordie got his spot. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, Lob was so good about that. Like, I talked to I talked to him like I talked to him a fair bit throughout that process, and I've I was kind of tripping how well he handled it. Like, 
he'd done all this work. He'd he'd fallen short. I'm pretty sure the year before yeah. to get on tour, got on tour throughout through the via the Challenger Series, and then got um, had the opportunity to compete at Pipe. Broke his ankle the day the day of, and then I was talking the next day, and he was he'd already come to terms with it. Was already getting prepared to, um, yeah, do his rehab and was just yeah pretty sweet, which was which is a testament to him. Yeah, if you want to hear his story, make sure you go back and listen to that episode. It's I spoke to him like kind of mid injury, like recovery, and like now he's back and looking better than ever. Hopefully, he gets his spot back on that tour after this challenge series. But we'll wait and see. A few last topics I want to touch on. You you're massive on self development and improving yourself. What are some books that you've read or what are some of your kind of best self-development tips and mindset hacks slash shifts that you've learned and where from? It's a pretty loaded question. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, have a think. Like what books have you read where you're like, oh, after reading that book, I changed a little bit because I know there's a couple for me. Yeah. For, um, for me, the first one was like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, that one just more so Mark just – Manson. Yeah, I think so. Just ground yourself in knowing that um, – that a lot of the shit you worry about doesn't matter. Mm. Um, like we dwell so much on the little things and it's the fact that the little things, like the little thoughts and the little insecurities don't actually matter in the big scheme of things. Yeah. Um, so that one was the first kind of self-development book I read and that opened my eyes. Yeah. Um, I read, I was actually reading David Goggins' book throughout the um, throughout the Cabacomp and that was something that was grounding me in, in what. I reckon I told you to read that. Yeah, probably. Well, it's just like that That book's so... I can sitting on the beach, I told you to read that. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And you, <laughs> you were saying that you read a book through, throughout yeah, the, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read um, Grit by Angela Duckworth yeah, yeah. through the Japan comp when I did yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got that book now and, and reading it. Um, but yeah, what else? I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I have like, for me, like personally, I, I actually love listening to like motivational podcasts. Yeah. Like, more so just for the the self development. There's a there's one on Spotify. It's like Denzel Washington, fifteen minutes with D- Denzel Washington or whatever. And some of the insight he has is incredible. And just wow. like those, for me, I don't so much draw. I don't really draw inspiration from other surfers. I look for outside of surfing things like like actors, mm. um, like high level sports people and different yeah. things. And just really just pretty much high performers. The things I gravitate towards and. Um, yeah, I don't. I just go through different sort of podcasts, but I really enjoy listening to people that are, are talking about their success and how they perceive. And just trying to like find the little bits from it yeah. and go, oh, I can probably tweak 100%. that into my life. And I think yeah. so many people aren't open minded enough to hear something good and actually give it a go. Whereas yeah. it sounds like for you, you'll read something, you'll be like, oh, let's see if that works in mine. Yeah. yeah. And and it's also being willing to, to not listen to everything you mm. hear as well. It's like that balance of like, not being so open that you just you're um easily easily shifted either, which either which way. So I think it comes back to knowing what your values are, knowing yeah. who you are, and knowing oh, you know what I probably don't need that. Yeah, but that's yeah, it comes from doing that work. From yeah. that, that's a great point because it's like it is really about knowing who you are, and that way you can kind of like I feel like I'm very good at understanding. Like say I work with a coach, I'm pretty good. I feel like at filtering through like the bullshit and picking out what I want, and I feel yeah. like that's a a skill that's really valuable and something that's important. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that comes from just knowing yourself. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think 
just yeah those podcasts and and then some those books i mentioned they've been super helpful that's funny i actually hated this a lot i'm like a big self-development book guy but for some reason i didn't like that book i, oh, I loved it i remember i've already had this debate with or not debate oh yeah i think like, we had this conversation yeah, before it's yeah, like because you, you didn't know. like it and i really enjoyed it yeah that's i've had like different ones like that there's um oh this book called like, i think it's unstoppable my friend dimmy papadotis who's like a pro golfer he like was like you have to get this. Was that that Ant Middleton? No, that's um, I've read a few Ant Middleton books, so yeah. he's good. Yeah, fuck, I can't remember. I might have got it wrong. Anyway, he like was like you got to get this book, and yeah. then I read it. and I was like, it didn't work for me, but that was fine. That was a good yeah. eye opener for me to realize that something that is the best thing ever for someone, mm-hmm. and as well, timing. Yeah, like you might read it when it's not the right timing for you, so it's about trying to like yeah find and be open-minded enough to know that sometimes yeah it's not the right timing for certain things yeah. um, for, for sure and i've got books that i haven't read like i've got and gone, i want to read this read a little bit of it and go nah it's not me yeah but then come back to it and, go, yeah. and then re- end up reading it so it's like yeah yeah for sure no nah, i'll have to show you my bookshelf later i might be able to give you a couple good ones yeah, to buy. i've got like a good little pile of self-development books because i just love like finding other ways that people have found to think that has made them happier or more yeah. successful or yeah yeah just making life easier but i guess to wrap up what's um what's coming up for you the next couple months hopefully we're getting a sticker on the nose you're bored from someone soon yeah we're talking about that a bit off air for anyone out there listening cal hasn't got a major sponsor yet after what'd you end up this year until 10 10 top 10 surfer on the planet and i think the thing with surfing this is like that i always think in my own head and i think it's to like pump my own ego that i did better than maybe i did with my surf career but I look at it like if you look at the AFL, there's like 500 players and everyone's always like so hard to get in the AFL. There's 500 players in the league. Yeah. Surfing is like the world tour is like making the all-stars team of AFL. Mm. So you're like in the top and then not to mention AFL is only Australia. Surfing's global. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like most like professional sports are like national leagues whereas mm. being an international. So, yeah, and you're in the top 10 on the planet like man you should be so proud of yourself and yeah, like geez. i'm so proud of you after like watching the journey it's like so cool to see and like i'd love nothing more than flicking on the wsl and watching you and all the young aussies do well mm. um maybe quick one what's your prediction um trestles yeah um, how good does ethan look I, I really want ethan or jack to to do well Me i feel too. like like for one I, I really got to know ethan a little bit better in chopu and um and him and he's hanging out with him and his dad and had had yeah such a good time hanging with him so i really want to see ethan do well just because i know how how much of a good bloke he is um and then also just seeing jack and how dedicated and how focused and how gnarly he's been all year that's been that's been eye-opening for sure like it's kind of tripping on how impressive he's been throughout the whole year so i think for that fact i, I want him to see i want to see him do really well but also like felipe it's like He's just that gnarly. Yeah. But but also I feel like he is the I older dog. Can I, fuck, it's going to be sick. Yeah. Like, when is it? It's oh, like next week. It'll be, yeah. it'll be done when we this is out. Yeah, it's going to end up being on the 8th or 9th. They're going to run like straight away. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, but Yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he, Felipe is like, he's ripped, don't get me wrong, but he's like. Those couple ways that Ethan's been putting out recently, yeah. if he gets like, if it's like, four to six foot yeah. and rights yeah. and like clean yeah oh, i don't know like if he like like surfs away from start to finish without falling yeah 
It's impressive. But he doesn't need to go to the air. I think he no. still outscores like Felipe doing two airs and a wave. Yeah. Like yeah. unarguable. Like Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I, I personally don't think you can come from five. Four like Is he four? No, no, he's three. But yeah. I just going back to like Italo and Kanawa, I just don't I wouldn't even put them in the picture. Personally. Italo, like, if Italo gets on a day. Uh, like what's the most heat you've ever surfed in a day? Yeah, four or five. Like, and how cooked are you? Yeah, yeah. These boys are start. These boys are starting fresh and the best. Like, and they've had that momentum and prep. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Especially, I don't know if anyone's going to beat Philippe two out of three. Yeah, exactly. So unless because yeah, if Robbo wins or whatever, I know if Robbo can not even verse Philippe. Hey, if somebody beats him, beats him, yeah, yeah. and it's only one heat, eh? So I hope I hope someone makes me eat my words and comes from four or five because it'd be super impressive. And I want to. I don't because we've got two and three. We yeah, want four yeah, or five gone. Yeah. Hopefully it's Robbo and Ethan. That'd yeah. be sick to, yeah. get to watch them duel it out for a spot against Philippe. Oh, it's going to be exciting. Anyway, it would have happened when this come out, so we'll see how close we are. My prediction is. Yeah, we've got to. I got to. I got to make a call. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jack. Okay. Who are He's, you gonna go? I love them both, and I love. What same thing I've like got uber amounts of respect for what Jack's done, like from watching his career. From like, same thing as like you, like four years ago, I remember like Robbo and his dad in Hawaii, just like, Oh, we don't know if we're gonna do it anymore. Like, he's obviously not having the success that we wanted, like, and then boom, like what's happened with him. But then to watch his transformation, like, it's a completely different person, Jack Robbo, yeah, since. His dad's not with him. Yeah. Um. Like Julie has been the biggest godsend of all time for him. Like it's mm. so cool to see like his mindset and Bemmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in saying all of this smoke for Jack, I just think Ethan's maybe surfing the best anyone's ever put surfed on a surfboard. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. Like watching what he does on a wave at like J Bay and stuff when he yeah. like greases one is oh, unmatchable. Like yeah. watching him in real life too. Like his rail where he puts his board. Oh, it's like baffling. It's like, and he does with no effort. Anyway, that's um, that's that's going to be my predictions. But yeah, let's just quickly to finish. What's coming up? What's your goals, movements for the next three to three to four months before pipe in January? Yeah, Get some time off. Nice. Mm. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, yeah, my movements. I'm heading over to the US on the on Thursday the eighth. So go over there for the ISAs and. Yeah. Compete for Australia, which is really exciting. Who else is in the team? Lobby and Jacko. See. Mm. So get the opportunity to surf for Oz, which is always amazing. Yeah. Um, super stoked and honoured to be able to do that. Have um, you surfed in ISA before? Yeah, once. See. Once. So, yeah. Special, eh? Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I'm pretty pumped. So do that, spend a bit of time in the US, and then come home and reevaluate and just, um, yeah, restructure my whole my whole off-season and, and kind of, prioritize some goals and some certain things that I want to work on in my surfing, my physical, my mental prep, and kind of just re-look across the board um, and try and improve wherever I can. Um, also, I'm really, really keen to do strike missions wherever I can to certain locations like Bells, Margies. Um, I know backside barrel riding is a big focus for me because it's so important being on tour. So i try and find some swells to go chase some barrel and lefts. Nice. High up on my priority list. Can't wait to watch it, man. It's um been awesome getting to have a chat. It's been awesome just getting to catch up. Like yeah, you said, yeah, we haven't sure. seen each other for a few months. It's so yeah. funny. Like I'm so transitioned out of the surf world now. Like I'm a pro surf at Burley 
yesterday? No, on Sunday and ran into like um oh who was out like, like Dylan Moffat and yeah, Morgs and a few people. I'm like, oh so good to see everyone. So yeah. man, thanks for coming up, catching up with me in no, my place. Geez. It's been awesome getting to share your story. And the last question I finish every good human's podcast with is what does being a good human mean to Callum Robson? Yeah, being a good human for me. Um hard question, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like making sure you stay true to yourself, being a good human is, um, yeah, it's not letting the external infiltrate your, um, who you are as a person and not letting, um, yeah, outside views or perceptions of yourself, make sure you stay solid to who you are and, um, and yeah, be optimistic and, and positive where you can be as much as you can be. And um, I think, yeah, just giving people the benefit of the doubt and being nice. I love that, man. So well said. Um Man, thanks so much. It's been really cool getting to catch up, have a chat. Yeah. Last thing, where can people find you on socials? I will leave it all in the show notes, but, yeah, any chance to plug anything you want to come up? Yeah, jump um, over to my Instagram, Calum Robson with two Ms. Um, and, yeah, go from there if anyone wants to jump on board with me. Um, yeah, like Cooper said, looking for a major sponsor or, or a partner for, it, for that matter. So, yeah, yeah, jump on board. Absolutely. I can attest for anything if you need to – chat to someone to give um gold stars for cal i'll definitely go into bat for him because i think he's got a really exciting future ahead he has a great head on his shoulders and i think he'd be an asset to anyone so yeah if you're out there and you've got a business or a brand and you're looking to work with someone who's the top 10 on the planet in a sport and like i kind of touched on before people don't realize how elite being in the top 22 surfers in the world is it's like playing in the all-stars team globally um which man you're doing it it's been really cool to watch the journey so thanks for jumping on good humans podcast cheers thanks Cooper. cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com